Hello, everyone, and welcome to Betting Chicago right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today, we are going to talk Chicago Cubs baseball. It is the offseason, but the winter meetings are right around the corner. Who's coming in? Who's going out? Trades, free agency. What's this team going to look like next year, and how do they get back on top? We're going to hit that all right here today on Betting Chicago. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, my great friend, Sean Graves. He is an actor, director, writer. He's got a film coming out called 1214 that he co-directed, co-wrote, and co-starred in. It's been selected to numerous film festivals all around the country. you got to check it out. He has a Facebook page under 1214, or you can check out their Instagram account at 1214themovie. His recent acting credits include Chicago PD. That's a huge thumbs up on the Betting Chicago podcast right here. And also, he is my number one friend that I text when I want to talk Cubs and I want to get nerdy about it. So that is exactly what we're going to do right now, and I hope you enjoy the pod. Sean, thank you for joining us on the pod. My friend Joey, thank you so, so much for having me. You know I always enjoy our, uh, our, our Cubby interactions. And let me just say, everyone, let me say, everyone, this is the man that in 2016 was sitting right in front of me when the Cubs won the World Series. He's the first person I got to hug when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. He talked me off the ledge after the evil, evil, just kidding, Rajay Davis home run in the eighth inning there. As he turns around to me and says, don't worry, bro, it's only tied. As my head is pounding against the table in that moment. So it is, a, it is a great pleasure to be here with you today, my friend. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yeah, man, we share that moment uh, till the end of time. The only, yes, thing that we'll, the only thing that we'll never figure out is how many tall boys we drank that night because, honestly, the adrenaline was pumping so hard. Oh, yeah. I might have had 15 that night, and I still was standing. I don't even know how that's, like, scientifically possible. Yeah, that's a night, man, where you just don't even count. It's one of those nights where the baseball gods just say, do what you have to do to survive the evening, right? We will we'll, 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 we'll take, take care, care of your you. body. We'll, we'll take care we'll of your take body. Care of you. Don't worry. We promise you're making it through the night. Tomorrow you're on your own. Just do your thing, though, right? Uh, what, a, what a great night, my friend. That's like one of those passes, like on the stones of uh, Field of Dreams, once you cross that line. You're <laughs> Absolutely. Hours, 24 hours, and then when we spit you back into the world. Good uh, luck. Yeah, from then Good on. Good luck. Well, and now, uh, and now here we are. It's the, uh, the winter of 2019. The 2020 season's right around the quarter. Who knew that Joe Madden already is not our manager anymore? And How crazy is that, man? How it, crazy is that? It is crazy. And, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, I was writing blog posts. And I believe I wrote this in uh, 2013, 2014, before it even happened. And the whole article was based on the concept of, the Cubs, obviously the Cubs winning the World Series, but who's on that convertible as it slowly goes through the parade? Who's on the back yeah. of that convertible raising his hand, and who could I see? And I kind of went through all the different names. Of, there was Ryan Sandberg at the time. Joe Girardi, of course, Joe Girardi, for, yeah, of forever course. and will always be in the mix. And I had kind of landed on Joe Madden and thinking that that would be the perfect guy in the convertible. Well, he had the convertible ride, and now he's got his convertible all, all the way to the Los Angeles Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in Los Angeles. And yes. I just, just want to ask you, like, obviously David Ross is manager now, so that takes the sting out of it a little bit, but what, are the, what adjectives would you use to describe how you feel? I mean, shocked? Uh, is it weird? Is it sad? I mean, oh, how are you feeling about it, and how is Chicago feeling about it? 
Yeah, you know, man, I've been thinking about this, you know, because we've talked about this a bit the last couple, you know, months since it happened. And I, I don't think that shocked is the word I would use. Because I, I kind of think most of us, if you were level-headed about it coming into the season, you just kind of knew in the back of your mind, right, that, like, unless the Cubs, like, at least got to the World Series, this was probably going to be it for Joe Madden. Like, after a great run, winning the World Series, climbing that Cubby mountaintop, it just seemed like this was probably going to be it. And then when things started going south, you know, September, it, it was a foregone conclusion at that point. So I, I, w I wasn't shocked by it at all. I kind of had the same feeling, I guess, of when the Blackhawks kind of let Quinville go, right? Like, you know, wow, I can't believe that this magical run, this magical era is coming to an end. But then the, 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 the level-headed sportsman in me said, maybe – it's just time for that to happen. Well, so and I, sad to, right? Sorry, sad to see Joe Madden go, but I guess I kind of understand the decision. I was on the boat all season long. Of, you know, we can't do this. Um, not about keeping the status quo, but the continuity. Even if you do retool the roster, you got to keep Joe Madden. And then August came around. We traded yeah. for Castellanos, and that second half push that all those great Joe Madden teams have had all mm -hmm. of these years. It just never clicked, right? And you're just kind of waiting for it to happen. They'd win yeah. four. I mean, the story of the whole season was they'd win four, they'd lose five. They'd yeah. win six, they'd lose five out of six, right? Right after that. Yeah. It, ne it never clicked. Obviously, the nine-game losing streak was the stake in the heart of the Joe Madden era. It was almost like there's no way you could possibly come back from that. No. And, well, and how, br how brutal is that, too, after being, you know, what – one of the top two three, two, three teams at home in baseball all year, and then you lose the last six of the year at Wrigley. I mean, you're right. That was nail in the coffin right there. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's numbers, and we'll get into those, that were just sure, so sure. strange and anomalous for this season, the bullpen alone. So, I mean, what are your initial thoughts on David Ross, and what's the pulse in Chicago? Are people cautiously optimistic? I mean, it's a safe choice. Safe is an appropriate word. I, I, I was on the fence about Rossi, and, I, and I'll be honest about that. And look, you know, you love him as a player, as a Cub. You love the whole Grandpa Rossi thing. That stuff's adorable. It's cute. We've all got the T-shirt. But what is that going to do for me on a baseball field? I get that the guy is a leader in the clubhouse, but I think it's valid. You know, the one argument you heard from a lot of people, you know, locally is, can he come from being – a, a clubhouse guy very recent where he played with all these guys to now he's their boss, right? He's, yeah. he has to go to, he has to go to Javi Baez and be like, yo, bro, you didn't hit, you didn't, you didn't run it out. Sit down. Can he, can he be that on top of that? The guy's never coached at any level. I know, I know, I know the old saying catchers make great managers and I get that. And I don't doubt he's intelligent. He's a very, very intelligent baseball guy, but I'll say for me, this is it's safe hiring for sure. And it's definitely going to be one that I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt because I love Rossi, but I'm going to try to be as level with my expectations as possible. The obvious, you know what I mean? Yeah, the obvious one is um, that start, that one out of every 10 starts from Lester. And yeah. he comes out, gives up that three-run bomb in the first inning, kind of settles down, but in the third and fourth inning gets into trouble again. Typically, mm -hmm. depending on obviously the bullpen situation, Madden will kind of let Lester sort of work it work himself through it and yeah. my, and that, and you know Lester's getting a year older and it would be really nice if Lester came into uh, camp next year a little bit more in shape uh you watch those <laughs> you watch those 2016 DVDs compared to him on the bump this year 
And yeah. there's not just a bump on the mound. It's in his shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, you, you, you kind of wonder if a little bit of that uh, Boston fried chicken and beer started creeping in the Cubby Clubhouse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just say, Johnny, Johnny, you only got a couple, a couple prime years left. Let's enjoy it. So maybe let's get into shape. But that's going to be really the key, right, is Ross walking to the mound in that fourth, fifth inning, pulling Lester with 70 pitches, and then it being okay. Um, yeah. You know, we'll, well, get into, we'll get into more of Lester's stats a little bit later, but – uh, you know, Lester only pitched into the seventh inning five times this year. Um, that is not the John Lester that we've seen in years past. I don't know if it's John Lester we'll see moving forward in the future. And how do uh, these players and these great athletes uh, kind of connect to that mentally and can they yeah, work, for together, sure. work together to make that happen? For sure, for sure. And for me, you know, Lester, I, I kind of had the mindset all year. If, if Lester gets me to – if he gets me into the sixth inning – and, and he hasn't given up more than four runs. That's, that was my Lester quality start this year, right? So you're right. How does, how does David Ross handle that? And then I think most importantly, right, and this was always, even, even during the World Series winning year, the huge, huge knock on Joe Madden is handling of the bullpen. How does a rookie first-time manager, even one that was a catcher, how does he handle a bullpen going forward, especially a bullpen that's probably going to be rebuilt quite a bit going into next season. So a lot of fresh faces a lot of new guys out there. How does a first-time manager deal with that, and especially in close games, right? I'm hoping that he's cold-blooded about it. I mean, that was the yes. that was the shame that really back that was the thing that really backfired on Madden last year was that you know he kept going to Strope, and it just wasn't Stropey's year. Nope. And some of his guys and some of the old uh, the handles the handles on the machine that he was able to pull in years past, he was pulling them, and they you know and they were kicking out dust, you know, and yeah. and, and he kept doing it. And he was sticking to his process, and and that that is Joe Madden, and I, and I and we've always admired him from that, but it didn't work. And can David Ross either find those those levers to pull, or can he be cold blood enough to make those decisions to hopefully win a couple yeah. more games? Yeah, you you've you've walked the first two guys, Pedro. You're done. Go sit exactly. down. I can't leave. I can't leave you out there to see if you hopefully figured out. It's it's a three one game. I can't let it be four three by the time you, I, I realize you have to come out of the game. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's spin, let's just pivot a little bit and then we're going to get into some players because that's the stuff I really want to talk about today. For sure. For sure. My question for you, and I'm interested to see what you think and what Chicago thinks about this step back narrative that's going on right now on Chicago radio. I feel like it's coming also from the organization. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can spin it, a lot of different ways you can say it. But I've been hearing the word step back to step forward a whole lot this year. And I'm just very curious about that because, in my opinion, this was the year that the team really took their step back. You could even go to the year prior. Saying that we played in the play-in game, in my opinion, does not mean that you played in the playoffs. That does, no, not, no. That, does, not, that does not count to me. So in that regard, for the last two years, we've been taking this step back. So what are, exactly do they mean by that? Do you feel like that means that we're going to – I mean, my phrase would be addition by subtraction. We're going to take away and retool to create a different dynamic to hopefully win 90 games this year. Or do you think they're really going to try and take that step back to like 80 games? Yeah, you know, that, 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 that's interesting too, right? Because I've, I've heard that quite a bit as well, is that the Cubs are going to, you know, not, re, not reboot, but try to retool on the fly. Try to kind of sort of do what the Yankees did, you know, and, and, and try to stay competitive but not quite pushing all the chips in to win the World Series, which I don't completely understand that because we've, we've all been hearing for the last few years that this is the Cubbies window, right? Like you have these core guys now. 
if you're not going to try and win an, at least one more World Series in the next year or two, then then what are we doing? You know? Yeah, and and, and what are you, we doing with with Rizzo, with Baez, with yeah. uh, with KB? I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, these are your core players right now. What it, that's my question is, what are we trying to step back to rebuild towards, and how long is well, that really going to yeah. take? Yeah, and that's the thing you keep hearing too is that the Cubs want to go under that that luxury threshold. They want to reboot all of that stuff, which I think like, you know, the first threshold is like 208 million. The second one is like 228 million. And I was, I was looking up some, some numbers like the other day and it said that already going into next year, the Cubs have committed into payroll, I believe $235 million. So, or no, it was $215 million already committed to next year in payroll. So you're already past that first threshold so are we are we are we shedding from that to get down to 200 how are Some we gonna, of these guys we're, we're yeah. shedding guys that haven't even been yeah paid i mean yet. right so and, and you know and i found an interesting article too the other day that said that theoretically with what the cubs are, are going to start bringing in after next year with like the, the new network and the local tv deals the cubs could spend 350 million dollars on their payroll and not cut into their net profit one penny now they won't do that because no team in baseball will do that but you can still spend 250 right why do you have to pull back and spend 200 i don't i mean you know and for me and you know for me like obviously diehard cubs fan but for me this is business too because i'm also a season ticket holder right so i'm paying plenty of money a year me and my my ticket partners the last thing i want to do is go back to 2013 where my tickets are worthless because I can't go to every game. Let's face it. I have to sell a few here and there on StubHub and yada, yada. I want to know I can make some money back, right, and use that for next year's tickets and playoff tickets. So I want to see the best product on the field, especially when I know you have the money to put it out there. And that's the thing that I, I guess I don't understand. And, and perhaps there is like a small little insidiousness about all this, right, where – all these teams want to keep their profit margins. And not only yep. in this day and age, not only do you want to keep your profit margin, but you want to continue to extend it. Now, in my yeah. personal opinion, you would think winning a World Series buys you five years of equity, right? Like the merchandise, yeah. the just the, the banners, the knights, the bobblehead knights, all mm -hmm. on and on and on and on. But it doesn't seem like these teams really – I mean, obviously winning the World Series is so hard that maybe they don't even think that it's an achievable goal. And I'm just kind of curious, like, turning the, the money faucet on and off. I mean, I get it that they've spent money, but they at no point have ever really spent big on these top-tier free agents. I mean, the Jason Hayward deal was only for $180 million. These guys yeah. are going for $200-plus million. The Cubs have never done that before. No. So they want to say that they swim big with the big fish, but at the same time, you know, just because you're spending $20 million on Brandon Morrow, does that mean that you're really swimming with the big fish? I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, you're overpaying right? guys. Well, and, and let's face it, too. When, when the Ricketts family bought the Cubs, they bought it 09700000 million. It's now worth $3.1 with a B. So, again, don't cry to me poor about the money thing, right? And you, so I'm I'm 100% with you on that, and yeah, you're correct about the not spending big, like, and I, you know, obviously that's about to change, right? We've got a list of guys, which we'll get into in a few minutes here, I'm sure, 
that are due some extensions or long-term contracts that $180 million. They're not going to cut it. Gonna, it ain't going to cut it. Right. So they're, they're, they're about to have to start making some decisions on that, but you're right. Why can't you go out and, and look at a Garrett Cole for this year or a Rendon if, if KB was traded, you know, in that, in that pool and spend the 250, the 275, you have the money, you have holes to fill. Why can't you do it? And I think it was, you know, to, to give credit where credit's due. I think it's like, uh, the beat reporter for the Cubs, Jesse Rogers, always says, you know, why can't the Cubs for a year or two be – why can't they have the highest payroll in all of baseball? Why can't – I get it's not sustainable to have that for 10 years. You're not – you don't need to be the Yankees or Dodgers. But while you, while you have the window open, why can't you be that team for the next couple years? Valid argument, I feel like. Yeah, and I think what we're coming around to is that, you know – and let's get into these players and let's talk about some of these scenarios because I think what we're both realizing right now is that, you know, the Cubs are, are a cottage organization and, you know, they're a small, they're a small team. And uh, so we're going to operate within those parameters and create some very, <laughs> some very reasonable, cost-effective uh, yes. <laughs> ways. It's like, it's like the Cubs are, are changing their DirecTV cable plan this year and, you know, they yeah. get rid of a couple of channels because they don't feel like they need them anymore. Uh, but <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy. But they're yes, still going right. to expect the exact same thing. So let's be, uh, you know, let's be reasonable. Let's be reasonable Cubs fans. Let's take the Anthony Rendon off the table, the Garrett Cole. Let's be honest. Sure. We're, we're not getting him. Um, and let's just start with the big question. And it happened last offseason. It didn't happen last offseason. Someone from the core seems like they're on the move, right? And we're talking about Rizzo, we're talking about KB, we're talking about Bias, Schwarber, or Contreras. Of those five guys, I don't know if you – we, we can rank them if you want to, but let's just start with who do you think is the most likely guy to go? Yeah, so I – you know, and I kind of did this in my head, you know, and, and for me, I'll, I'll tell you the guy first off that I think we can just completely take off this list because I just think – He's, he's kind of this generation's Mr. Cub, but also I think he, with his age and back problems, doesn't get you anything back much in return. I think Rizzo is going nowhere. He's going to get extended. He's a Cub, right? He's Cub for life. So we, we, can kind of, we can kind of knock him off the list. So for me, it comes down to those other four you mentioned, Javi, KB, Willie, and Schorber. I think it's one of two guys. I think it's either KB or Willie. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I really do think it's one of those two. You know, now for me, like, I look at a guy like Schorber, and I think this is like – if you ever have a thought of trading Cal Schorber, it has to be right now. His value will never, ever, ever be higher than it is right now, most likely after what he did second half of last year, which he was great. But I don't think he gets you back enough to help you fill a couple of the, you know, the spots, you know, center field, leadoff, bullpen – starting pitching that a KB or even a Willie, Willie can. So I think it's coming down to KB or Willie and it, it might be as simple as they offer them both contract extensions and whoever says no gets dealt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Much. I mean, it could yeah. be, it could be as simple as that. If they, if they go to KB and they say, look, you know, Arenado got eight at two sixty, Rendon's going to get what he gets. He's probably going to get close to three. We put you right behind those two. We'll give you eight at 240, which as me, that seems like a very, very reasonable deal. If he takes that deal, he's the Cub for life. If he says no, he's probably gone. I mean, where, where, where are you on that? Do you, you, you differ that in that opinion? Or um, I completely agree with the Rizzo. 
And I'm also on board with you on the Schwarber situation. It's, it's funny, the, the, the linear line of Schwarber's career has kind of gone of he's come up, he was a phenom, the crazy World Series success. His trade value was probably the highest then yeah, because there was all sure. this potential of what he could grow into. And for obviously sure. he took a few steps back. But now it's really interesting. You know, over his last 225 at-bats in the second half last season, he posted an OPS of 997. He had 17 yeah. extra base hits over his last 91 at-bats. He slugged 680 during that 225 yeah. at-bat span. It's almost turning into the concept of he's a homegrown guy who you could probably sign to a fairly decent contract, yeah. and he could probably get better. I kind of think in a weird way, Schwarber sort of figured it out. But his value isn't quite the same. And you're yeah. not getting really anything back other than what maybe a double-A pitcher no. who's coming yeah. off Tommy John, and maybe you're hoping that something yeah. works out. So I'm with Absolutely. you on the, on the KB and the Willie. And let's just go right into it. We'll get to KB, but let's talk about our catching situation for a second because I do think Willie Contreras is the guy that you should be trading this year. Now, Contreras, super talented, probably perhaps the best power bat at the catching position, if not in the National League, perhaps in all of baseball, outside of Mary Gary Sanchez. But again, his defense has not gotten better. His his pitching staff has not gotten better. He pulls his hamstring every August. Um, I, I'm hoping opposing teams don't listen to this podcast because if they are, Willie Contreras is great. He's, he's, he's great. He's healthy all the time. He's Johnny Bitch. You want him on your team. And you hear all these weird little uh, murmurs that David Ross, Miguel Montero, and Willie Contreras, that room, when Willie came up from the, from the minors, um, struggled. Uh, they struggled yeah. to get along. And not everyone liked Willie Contreras right at first. And you mm-hmm. can ask yourself, does David Ross want to deal with that? And it could be a really interesting addition by subtraction situation where if you could get something from Contreras, you could seriously just take the clock back to 2015, 2016, roll with Carantini, you know, go, who knows, bring back Martin Maldonado, a guy who can't hit, but a guy who can handle a staff, a guy who David Ross yeah. looks in the mirror and kind of sees that same guy in his career, feels comfortable with, improve your defense there and try and bring in a different piece. I mean, giving Willie Contreras a long-term contract contract kind of scares me. And I think, he's the, I think he's the guy to, I think he's the guy to move. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you. I, I agree. You know, he's one of those guys too, where you, 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 you love that fiery competitor when it goes your way, but there's so many times, I mean, how many times this year on the bases do we have to watch Contreras run into an out that was just completely avoidable from just if you just had any kind of baseball intelligence, right? How many times did I have to watch the ball end up at the backstop? We talk about the pitch framing. He's got a cannon for an arm and he can swing the bat. But like you said, too, he's probably going to miss 60 games a year because there's always that that hamstring or, or the heel or, heel or gro- something that's going to pop up. And I can't pay a guy like that. 18, 20 million dollars a year. So I think you're right. He, You'd get more than Grundahl, right? Grundahl just signed probably. for four years, 73. Yeah. So now you're thinking yeah. Contreras is probably more in that 80 to 95 range. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that's a lot. And Contreras, his numbers looked okay last year, but I'm, I'm on board with you. He was a bad baseball player last year. How yeah. many times in crucial moments did he just like swing and miss, just whiff one, two, three? Oh, man. Hit him down with one out, couldn't even get a fly ball, couldn't even put the bat on the ball. Again, yeah. the pass, the pass balls, the 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 mistakes, the the aggressiveness that he showed as a catcher kind of began to bite him in the ass a little bit this year. Yeah, 
And Agreed. of all the players that on paper have all the talent and the youth and the all-star credentials, but maybe don't fit into a championship mold moving forward, I think it might be Wilson mm-hmm. Contreras. Agree with you. Well, let's look at it from this standpoint. Then. Let, let's, with our GM hats on, and we're assuming it's Willie right now, then the two things for us to consider, I guess, is A, what, what do we need back from a trade partner for him? And then B, who is out there? Assuming if we trade Willie, we're probably sliding Caratini in as our starting catcher going forward for next year at least. Who's out there on the market that we can bring in as a you know, plausible backup that can catch two, three days a week? Obviously, it's not going to be someone that's going to hit 270, but someone that's going to give you 230, 240, can handle the staff. Keeping in mind that we have the Amaya kid as one of our top 10 prospects right now that's probably not next year, but on the 2021 radar, you know? And so I, I, see, I, 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 I see a couple I'll, different guys. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I see a couple yeah. different guys. I mean, obviously, I, I do like Carantini a lot, and I do think with a larger sample size, I think he will be decent. Now, the one thing that I do think that he has to improve upon is – in 65 at-bats with runners in scoring position last season, Carantini struck out 22 of those times. So a third – Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Yeah, yeah it's not going to cut it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's the, the Travis Darno's out there. I do like Martin Mal- Maldonado a whole lot. I just think he handles the staff really well. He is that guy who's going to hit 220, 230. Um, and then you've got, like, the Russell Wilson uh, – I'm sorry, the Russell Martins of the Russell world. Russell Martin, sure. Yeah, the Wellington Castillos. I mean, guys that aren't really going to blow your hair back. So I would prefer probably to choose a guy like Maldonado, someone that I can trust defensively and just say, screw it with the offense. I mean, obviously, yeah. you're getting into that Hayward that Hayward-Maldonado pitcher combo at the bottom of your lineup that's a little bit scary. Yes. But at the same time, you are improving in different areas on the field. And in terms of Contreras – I mean, personally, as a Cubs fan, and I think logically, I think trading him for prospects is kind of a dicey move. And I've said this to you before, man. Wilson Contreras for Whit Merrifield, who says no? No, you're right. You've, you've said it to me before. And Casey would have to look at that, especially because, you know, their catcher's coming off a pretty serious injury as well. And he wasn't exactly having – while he's a former All-Star, he wasn't exactly having the greatest of career the last year or two as well. So – that's definitely for, – for me, I would need more than that, though, from, from the Royals because you are trading – you're trading Willie, who's, what, 26, 27? So he's – right, he's much he's, – he's four or five years younger than Merrifield. Yeah, Wicks, Merrifield's uh, 30. Yeah, so you, you've got a few years on there. So I would just need a little bit more in that trade coming back from the Royals. And, again, the Cubs and the Royals have been pretty good trade. That's one team they've matched up with a couple times over the years. So if they wanted to make that deal work, I don't have any doubt they could, but I would need a little bit more back. If I'm going to give you my, my all-star catcher for a, a 30, 31 year old second baseman, I'm going to need just, even as good as Whitfield's been, I'm going to need a little bit more back in that deal, but I, but I'm with you on that. That solves leadoff hitter. That gives you second baseman. It lets Horner go back down, assuming you keep him to, to keep kind of maturing, if you will, in the minor leagues. Merrifield could even go out to the outfield. It's a little flexibility there as well. So I'm down with you on that. And I'll give yeah. you a couple names out. Oh, I was just—I I was just going to yeah. say uh, I completely agree with you on the different pieces, um, and I mean maybe to make the deal work, you know, maybe you you trade one of your smaller pieces for one of their larger minor league pieces, trade it back yeah. and forth. But I mean, I I just like Whit Merrifield for the next three four years, and that's how I'm thinking about it as a Cubs uh, fake GM right now. Is how do I get another sure. trade in those next three or four years? 
And window open, of course. I mean, the dude, looking at his splits, the dude hits 290 every month without a miss. He's got like one 279 out of his last like three seasons. He's hit over 300 with runners in scoring position over the last three seasons. He's hit 294 from the leading spot the last two years. These are all things the Cubs yeah. desperately, desperately need all in one player. His OBP isn't great, but I do like the fact that he makes contact. I think we need more of that in the lineup. And it just seems kind of like the perfect marriage. It does. And I'll tell you, I heard this in the offseason last year from someone. And, you know, it's going off Willie for a second, but involving with Merrifield. And someone last year told me they would have traded straight up Schwarber for Merrifield. Right? I mean, they would have oh, gone. Wow. Now, again, now, again, this is before what Schwarber did the second half this year. But if you think about that, right? going to the American League, getting it back. You know, obviously, then Solaire had the year he had for him now. So that trade wouldn't work now. But Merrifield's name has been around the Cubs for, what, a year and a half now? Who, who, was, it, uh, who was it a few years back? Was it Brian Roberts that just felt like – it just felt like that, right? It just felt The fait like accompli guy, of Brian Roberts. Right? Like, that guy was going to be a Cub. Like, you heard his name mentioned around trade deadline and offseason for, like, three years straight, and it just never happened. So I kind of feel like we're, we're steadily getting into that territory with Whit Merrifield. Like, let's make this happen or stop saying his name. It's right. He's a great ball player. He would fit in great. Just get the deal done. It would be great for both teams. But it's starting to move into Brian Roberts' territory for me just a little bit. There are certain guys, especially in this uh, Theo regime, where it's just kind of – it just seems like it's just bound to happen, right? We heard about the Zobrist. The yeah. Zobrist rumors with Madden. It totally happened. How many times have we traded for Cole Hamels over the last four or five years? We did finally yeah. get him. It definitely seems like something that could definitely possibly happen with Whit Merrifield, hopefully finding a match. And if it is Contreras, I mean, I, I think that's a trade that I'm willing to seriously think about, and I think it could make the Cubs better. I want to hear about what you think. What You got a couple of ideas. Are they Contreras? Yeah, well, yeah, well I mean, you know, one, one, one trade I had heard that, that, that was actually pretty juicy was, uh, was Willie Contreras – to the Braves, and uh, I, I, there was a few players coming back, but one of the players that was coming back was William Contreras, his younger brother. So I thought, would, how, how interesting would that be if you're trading one an older Contreras for a younger Contreras plus a few better players, right? Like, how juicy would that be? Are we calling that um, the the Willie for Billy? The Willie for Billy trade for sure. The the the, the WB brothers coming back, right? So yeah, okay, Pat Pat was... Pat Hughes will still pronounce it Contreras though. Contreras. <laughs> so that would be great. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I love the Merrifield deal because I I do agree with you. He he would be great for us. I guess for me, man, it's it, it it's like you said earlier. It really kind of starts about pitching though, right? Like we've got to get whether it's starting pitching, rotation, what have you. So whoever that looks like, if it's to the Braves for a Max Free type player who's 26, had a pretty darn good year this year that would have some control left. Uh, I've talked about before, I would, man, I would just about give mine and your left arms to the Mets for, for Syndergaard at this point. I think he's a great change of scenery guy. I don't, I don't think it's just the, the best scene. The guy's former agent is the GM there now. He didn't have the greatest year. They kind of had that. They kind of had that thing, right, where he wanted one catcher to start. The manager started a different catcher. There was that blow up there. I think he's a guy due for change of scenery. You put him in that Cubs rotation. You slot him in what two, three behind Darvish and Hendricks. However you want to look at that. Put another power arm in the rotation. If I could get somebody back 
like that for Contreras, I'd probably make that move first over making the the Contreras for Merrifield. As much as I love what Merrifield can do, especially from the leadoff spot for the Cubs, I think I would probably go pitching first over that. Yeah, he seems primed for revitalization. And that is the thing that I think is being lost in a lot of this this sour taste that Cubs fans have in their mouths. I do hear a lot about the offense, the lack of being able to drive in runs, but but honestly, last year, it was the pitching, man. And most specifically, yeah. it was the starting pitching that really fell off in the second half. Uh, Lester posted a 5.35 ERA in the second half of last season. Do you know that he allowed 205 hits the most since 2013? And he pitched 43 more innings in the year 2013 when he gave up those 205 hits. Oh, wow. I mean, just a really, really, really bad second half. I mean, his ERA was over seven in August. Hendricks' ERA was over 520 in August. And then, ah, the coup de grace, the entree. Jose Quintana in September. Holy, oh, boy. Holy shit, man. Oh, boy. Posted an 11.09 ERA and opponents throughout every single start in the month of September batted 402 against him. So Dude. every single person that came to the dish against Quintana was Ted Williams. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah, man. If you open up, if you open up the Cubby's dictionary and look up the word roller coaster. It's Quintana's picture. That's what you're gonna see, right? And that defines his entire Cubs career. That kid will look like Sandy Koufax for six or seven starts, and then he looks like me for the oh, next eight starts. To interject very quickly, his ERA in August that year was two oh two. His ERA in September yeah. was eleven oh nine. You put those two together, and that's around the five that he is yeah. at at the end of the season. And, and then, and, you know, and then Hendricks, you know, Hendricks too, like, I mean, at home, he's Greg Maddox. He gets on, he gets on the visiting park mound. Again, it's me out there. I mean, the guy, you know, he, he was like the definition of the Cubs home road struggles was Hendricks. He mirrored it to a T, right? His splits so were I, really I, bad. Yeah. So I wholly agree with you that as much as we all just wanted to, to, to strangle the Cubs offense last year, it absolutely was the pitching. Cause we all talked about going into this season that, on, on paper, the Cubs starting rotation will be and has to be the strength of the team, and it, it just wasn't. We knew the bullpen was going to be tough. The offense, you're coming off a down year in 18, so you're just not quite sure. You know, we're under our 38th hitting coach, so you're hoping something different happens there, but you're not quite sure. So the starting pitching has to be the strength, and it just wasn't. So I'm with you. I do want to go back real quick. I did have a couple of names that I want to throw at you for – if we trade Contreras and we need someone to step in as like a backup for, for Vic, a couple of names I threw down. And one guy that I just have watched over the couple of years. Now, granted, he's had some concussion issues lately, but I think he's okay. I think he's going to play. He's just been a cub killer. Tell me you're Francisco not going to – oh, my God. My Francisco. nemesis. <laughs> Francisco Cervelli. He's, come on. I mean, that – I hate him so much that I, I think if it came on the team, it would work. He's my AJ. Oh, yeah, right? He's my Anthony Mason. Uh, he's, he's, our Jim, he's our Jimmy Edmonds, right? Like, how much did we all hate that guy? And then he comes on the Cubs, and you couldn't wait to buy a Jimmy Edmonds jersey because he played so well. So that's one name I had thrown out. Another one I'll drop with you. This guy's coming off catching in the World Series. What about Robinson Crinos from the Astros? I think he's, I think he's getting – I think the market's pretty healthy for him right now. So that's pretty healthy? Okay. That's what I'm kind of worried about a little bit. There's a lot of different teams that are inquiring about him. I've seen sure. – The Mariners have seen stuff from the Marlins. And when I see bad teams looking at a catcher like that, I automatically go, oh, crap, he's going to get overpaid. 
Um, for sure. I, I like that option a whole lot. He, he was solid for them last year. I will yeah. say that there were a couple of months where, you know, he posted a slugging percentage over 500 and then kind of really didn't do anything other months. So he was a little gotcha. up and down, but I think the body of work in the end is exactly kind of what you're looking for in terms of a right. guy who can just replace Contreras with a little bit of a pop. You are getting something back on the roster in a different way. So I definitely think uh, Robinson could definitely be an option for sure. I'm worried that he's going to get overpaid though, or the yeah. years like he'll get that three year deal from so three random. for yeah. Three for 30 Lamar, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, three for 30, sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. I hear you on that one. Um, but I, I would be way on board with that for sure if that was a situation that could happen. Um, yeah, any other any other replacements for Willie? Oh, the one last guy I kind of had, had written down here was Jason Castro. He's a name I, you know, I've kind of seen over the years that, you know, straight back up. Don't We're not going to depend on him to come out there and play five days. You know, I think that's the thing is – if if we're going to give up Willie, we do have to accept the fact, especially from an offensive standpoint, that position is probably going to take a drop. Like I I I like what Caratini did in his sample size this year, but I I, I don't know that he's going to be a twenty to twenty five, seventy to eighty RBI guy that that Willie that Willie you know Willie did pretty much that this year, even missing the games he missed with his injury, right? So I, I, you know, that's going to be a drop. So I, I think we all have to kind of just accept that as Cub fans. So for me, it really is about who can handle the pitching staff, who's gonna, who's gonna have good framing abilities, who can handle the running game a little bit, and then who's gonna be, you know, kind of another Rossi in the clubhouse, another good veteran, another guy that fits in. You know what I mean? Another leadership type guy. Again, that's kind of why I thought of of. Uh, the kid from Houston because the pedigree is there. The guy's been in the playoffs coming from a great organization. He would probably slide right in, but you're probably hundred percent right about him getting overpaid by some really bad team. And I don't want the Cubs doing that. Yeah. He looks like the classic case of uh, when guys go to the world series, always a couple of those, uh, those middle yeah. shelf guys always get overpaid. Brandon Morrow. Absolutely. Cough, cough, cough. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Don't even get me going on that right rule now. Rule number yeah. one, <laughs> never buy a pitcher after he's been in the World Series. <laughs> that's rule number one and two, especially a reliever that's pitching every dang day in the World Series, right? Yeah. Oh, God, man. I really liked him. I saw him in one, two, three, four games, five, six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, bad thing. Let's, give him, let's give him $20 million. So I want to ask oh, you a question man. about the rotation, right? We're talking about all these different sure. doors that we could enter. And obviously, uh-huh. uh, so door number one would be trading a core piece for a guy like Syndergaard, right? Yeah. And I think we both could agree that's a very, very, very appealing option. Door number two is uh, trading for probably some guy maybe a little bit younger, that Max Freed, the 24, sure. 25, 26-year-old, trying to find a match there. And then there's door number three. And let's just hypothetically play around with door number three a little bit. And door number three is basically the concept of do you go out and you wait for the market to dry up on a couple of these pitchers and sign some guys to a one-year deal, sort of patch it together, or do you say what you want to do, which is they want to say they want to get younger. Why don't we just let Tyler Chatwood and Albert Azalea have their shot. I mean, you have know their I mean? shots, yeah. So I, I guess my question is, you know, what are we saying? We're taking the step back. Why aren't we just trying to see what we already have on our roster? I mean, the thing with Chatwood is I'm not a huge Chatwood fan. He pitched okay last season, but if we are going to take this step back, why aren't we letting Chatwood try and get 
you know, his value back? Why aren't we trying to get our money's worth? God forbid right. we trade him in the midseason, or perhaps maybe he's a guy who can be a fifth, fourth starter next year. That part I don't really understand. And I want to hear your take on Alzale as well. I'm curious to see what you think about him. I was, I don't know if I would say the word impressed, but I wouldn't say I was disappointed either. Um, yeah, he had that kind of great, that great kind of first start, right? And you're like, oh boy, what do we, and then he kind of fell off a little bit, right? So yeah, sorry, I can tell you, cut you off there, continue. No, I, I, I mean, I, I want to give it to you right here. I mean, yeah, first start, he was pumping strikes, looked okay, but it looked like also he was having that Kyle Farnsworth syndrome of uh, the second time around the lineup, that third, fourth, fifth inning, uh, the stuff didn't look as sharp. And then next thing yeah. you know, he was kind of pulled from the game. And I'm kind of curious, do you think he's going to be a starter or do you think he's going to be more of a, a bullpen piece uh, if healthy? So, yeah, so you took me kind of right to my answer there. I, I wonder if – and especially remember, too, he's a guy that's had some some arm injuries, right, over the last couple of years, right? So he might just not physically be back to that starting starting pitching strength yet. So why not maybe this year – at least for 2020, knowing that you're going to have to go into a year kind of rebuilding your bullpen, why not try him out in the bullpen? Why not take him into spring training and say, yeah, we know you have starting pitching ability, and maybe we'll stretch you out in spring training, but we're going to bring you in out of the bullpen. We're going to see what you look like throwing in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. We're going to check your velocity. We're going to see your secondary pitches. Maybe you find out that this guy is, is much better built and suited where you don't have to worry about the second and third time through the rotation. He can just go out there for three, four hitters and just dominate. And now all of a sudden your bullpen looks like a, an Alzale, a Rowan Wick, a baseball God, please let it be true. A healthy Craig Kimbrell coming back. Right. Maybe we have something there, right? Yeah. So those I, I are guess, three power arms. Yeah. And this, this, you know, and that, that gets me into something I mentioned to you before we were talking like, I kind of looked this up, you know, talking about velocity in the Cubs starting rotation and, and in the Cubs bullpen. The Cubs are 28th in baseball and velocity this year. They average like 92.6 miles an hour on their fastball. That just isn't going to cut it in today's game. you got to meet power with power. You look at the Astros. You look at the Nationals. I know that, you know, not every team is going to have the luxury of having that kind of ability to have, multi, you know, two, three power pitching arms. But that's kind of what wins in today's game. So the Cubs have got to find a way to get some velocity into their rotation and into their bullpen. So maybe a guy like Alzale going down there, maybe a guy like Chatwood, like you said, getting that chance. Chatwood was second on the team as far as velocity goes this year. And we saw it, man. How many times did Madden go to him in like rough spots? You know, first, second, nobody out. Bases loaded, nobody out. And he either got out of it or limited the damage because the guy was pumping 98, 99 with a nasty slider out of the bull, out of the bullpen. Right. And there was moments, I, I would say there's a half dozen moments last year where Chatwood came in from out of the bullpen and was completely unhittable. Like, yep. Filthy. No one was touching him. Yep. And we have to find a way to maximize that. I E either maximizing it to the part where we can bring his value up to probably trade him or bring his value up enough where we actually get something out of that money and see more on the field from him. I, I just don't see a scenario why he should not be our fifth starter this year. I mean, I, I understand, and we're, and we're going to get into the, what to do with Quintana and stuff in just a yeah. second. But, you know, if you were able to, let's just say, move on from a Quintana in a trade somehow this season because his money is only $11.5 million, 
He still threw 174 innings last year. That is a commodity that people could use in the major leagues. He could still possibly be traded. Why wouldn't you bring a guy like Chatwin into the rotation and just see what happens? I mean, if he walks sure. the world again, then you know. Then you know. You know, right? You know. Yeah. Well, well yeah, and this is his walk here too. So, it, it, like you said, let's build that value up. Let's make a decision. Let's build the value up. Now, I'll ask you this, though. And like you said, we'll get into Quintana in, in a moment here. Let, again, GM hats on. Let's assume we've traded Quintana. So we know our, our top three, Darvish, Lester, or Hendricks. Or those are the three that we have. We, we know have. for sure. Yes. Right? If we're, if we're saying that we don't want to take a step back and we still want to try to, to, to com compete for the division this year, are we comfortable as our four or five being basically a rookie in Alzale and Chatwood? I don't think I would be comfortable with that. Would you? I in think that, I would. I would give one of one of those two. Right, one of those two would get a shot for me. Probably whoever had the better spring training, and then I would have to go outside the organization to bring in a couple arms. Yeah. Yeah, and the one guy I'm kind of looking at in that scenario, and it's sort of a get me through for the year is, I got to be honest, I kind of like the value of Rick Porcello right now, a guy who had Rick a, a terrible, terrible, terrible season last year. His all the stats are out there. His fly ball rate is up. His fastball is down to only 91 miles an hour last year. He gave up 31 home runs. Um, his whip was the highest that it's been in multiple seasons, had lower strikeout rate, walk rate. But the guy is still an innings eater. He's still a gamer. You can get him on a one-year deal. You can get him on a one-year very cheap deal. And it could be that type of bounce-back season where, I mean, we're not that far removed from Rick Porcello winning 17 games for the Boston Red Sox. They want to Cy Young, right? Yep. Yeah. And he won. Yeah, yeah. And he won his Cy Young too, as well. And I just think, and if you looked at his numbers too, as well, he was just absolutely awful in the first and second inning. So obviously if he can get off to a little bit of better start, get a little bit of a better game plan coming out of the bullpen, bringing it into the game. I mean, that could be a very cost effective move for a guy who could be solid, but not spectacular. Yeah. And also he's got, you know, change of scenery type guy written all over him as well. Getting out of that, not, you know, getting out of that, that fishbowl that is Boston and, and getting it, changing leagues, American League, the Nash, all of that stuff written all over him. And, you know, one, so what would you think? You know, is he, is he kind of like equating it to almost like a qualifying offer type guy where it's like one year, 18 million? Yeah. Less I, than that, a little I, more I, than that? I was going to say, uh, depends on how, it, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the market dries up for him. I think he's one of those guys that's probably going to be still sitting on the market around January, February. And if that is the case, then, yeah, I would go to him with a one-year, anywhere between 12 to 18. You can incentivize it. You can do whatever you want. I think he's a guy that knows at some point he is going to have to rehab his market a little bit. Yeah. And what better place to do it than in Chicago with Theo um, on a team that, hey, if he pitches well and the team is a success, guess what? He probably gets that two- or three-year deal uh, for, sure. for you know, 40 to $60 million to round out the rest of his career, and it won't be with the Cubs, but for this one year. Sure. It wouldn't be yeah, too yeah. bad. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be upset about that. I mean, you know, the bum gardeners out there, you know, that's just not, that's just not going to be the Cubs style this year. You know, people are going to overpay no. for Zach Wheeler. Um, and that is a power arm that you were talking about, but it looks like that yeah. plenty of people are going to be kind of in on him. If I was a Cubs uh, fake GM, I don't know if I would really invest dollars on Zach Wheeler. Um, so I, I definitely think if it isn't through trade, I definitely kind of like keeping it in house just a little bit and just seeing yeah. what you have. 
And if it sucks, it sucks, you know, but uh, it, it can't be any worse than just signing Daniel Descalso and Brad Brock last season. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're and, right about that. Uh, and calling it a day. Yeah, here's our recruiting class for the 2019 team. Daniel Descalso and Brad Brock. Man, those, well, first, I, I, those, I, first, 80, those first 80 at-bats this year. Oh, for Descalso. Some of the greatest. <laughs> he was an all-star. Oh, man. Well, I'm, so I've got some names for you, too, as far as starting pitchers go. I'll throw at you as well. And now, you know, my, I, got a, I got a little bit of a list here. Now, it kind of varies from, like, the Cubs are going to spend money to, like, Rick Porcello type guys, maybe one, two-year type deals. And obviously, I had the Zach Wheelers and the Mad Bums. We'll put them aside. You know, a guy that, that I think's had a great couple, couple years, and if the Cubs are willing to give somebody a two, maybe a three-year deal, a guy like Wade Miley, the guy was a stud for the Astros. He was a, Dude, he killed us with the Brewers the year before that, right? I mean, he's, he's had a good couple years. Uh, if you want a couple guys in me, this is me going back to, like, power arms that, that had just – bad years this year but still have ability and maybe change of scenery i give you two names right now what about julio Tehran from the braves what about michael walker from the cardinals these are guys these are guys that, that that can pump it in there you know walker especially take him from the cardinals if he comes down here if the guy turns into michael walker of a couple of years ago where he's throwing 98 maybe he wins you 12 to 15 games maybe two or three of those games are against the cardinals right so that those are a couple names uh, another guy I had, uh, Alex Wood, pitched for the Reds this year, I believe, right? Another pretty good y- young pitcher that, okay year. Again, you're pitching in that band box that is Cincinnati. Get him out of that. Get him into into the Cubs system. So those are a few names that I had as far as, like, possible reclamation, change of scenery type guys. I don't, I don't know if any of those, like, tickle your fancy baseball-wise. Well, um, I, I will say this about Wade Miley. Um, Wade Miley got off to a great start benefited from a very strong Houston offense and then unfortunately for him he had he had if it's even possible he had a worse September than Jose Quintana did last year oh really I know he's off the roster yeah to the point where they couldn't even keep him on the roster anymore and I I wouldn't be upset if they did sign him the only thing I would probably say about Wade Miley is you know get ready for every once in a while him lasting an inning and a third and giving up seven runs because there's just certain days where he doesn't have it you know to, so kind of him. Johnny Lester, right? Kind of yeah, Johnny yeah, Lester. yeah, yeah. Uh, Julio Teheran, I, I kind of like that a lot. Michael Waka, I did not even think about that. And I find He's that one, one actually very, very, very intriguing. Right? Um, Alex Wood, just to put a bow on that, is I guess Alex Wood was hurt a little bit. Yeah, was on a bad yeah. team, kind of a bad situation. But, again, wouldn't be upset there. The Michael Waka thing is actually very, very sort of intriguing that's, I mean, to that's me. it. That's a power arm, man. And, you know, I think he suffered a bit this year. I think his control wasn't very good. The, the home run ball probably got him a bit. But I think he also – I think, you know, Michael Walker's probably in that spot for the Cardinals where he was probably searching at that point of, like, where do I fit in? They've got so many, you know, and, and it drives me nuts as a coach on how they do it, but they've got so many, like – it's like every week they've got a new 22-year-old coming up that throws 102 miles an hour that's just mowing a cup hitter down, right? So I'm like – we need that. So I think Waka, you know, maybe was a little lost in St. Louis, lost in that rotation, some injuries in there. I think he'd be a great change of scenery guy. I think he would get up for every time he pitched against the Cardinals, which I'm all for that. You know what I mean? So I just that's, – that's a name that really stuck out to me from the power standpoint that I think – and I don't think he would cost you a ton of money either, right? 
I don't uh, think he's going to be a guy that gets four at 70 or anything like that. Like, you know, no, I would, I would think it'd probably be a two year deal with some sort of vested option based on yeah. either incentives or team option or something along those lines. That is very intriguing. I honestly didn't even really think of that. I, I, I like that a whole lot. I do like maybe a little bit more of a power arm situation from the right-handed side. Um, Cause you do already have Darvish, but you are countering with Hendricks and Lester. Yeah, you're right. We do need to kind of pump up this stuff a little bit, you know. Yeah. If you're running Lester, Quintana, and Hendricks three days in a row, you know, as a hitter, I don't know how those three guys make you uncomfortable in a three-game series yeah. at the plate. Yeah. Um, they can trick you. Uh, they can use yeah. precision and and you know what I mean, like control and location. But other than that, I don't think you're really scaring anybody. Yeah, anything so, anything over the plate is getting lit up from those guys. Yeah, Whereas, and, you know, Darvish can come over the plate and still get you out. And I think that I think isn't that kind of what we're talking about here? Like what the Cubs are missing—a pitcher that can pitch in the strike zone and still get guys out, as opposed to the Cubs having too many guys that if they come in the strike zone, it's on to Wayland. Yeah, right. And I feel, I feel like that's kind of. Meanwhile, uh, the Cardinals have uh, Carlos Martinez in the rotation for years and years, and when they don't need him anymore, they just make him their closer, yeah. and it kind of works yeah. out. Yeah, here's, a, yeah. here's 101. Here's 101 out of the bullpen now. We'll replace him with the other kid that goes 102 in the rotation. Oh, man. We're not jealous. We're not jealous. We're not. No, no we're not, not being jealous. Not at all. <laughs> we're not, not at being all. jealous at all. Not uh, at all. So, I, so here's what we're going to do. I'm, we're going to leave the starting rotation uh, on one more topic, and then I want to talk about third base and right field. And, gotcha. then, uh, and then we're going to wrap it up. So my final one, and I've been pitching this for a really long time, and I got to get it into the podcast right now. It's time to move on from Jose Quintana. And I think it's time to make room for Michael Walker. And I would recommend Jose Quintana to the New York Mets for Edwin Diaz. Yeah, you, you, you've pitched that to me, you know, a few times now. And look, I'm not opposed to that, opposed to that at all. I, at this point, would trade Jose Quintana for the local high school pitcher because I'm just so tired of living on that roller coaster with him. So I think that, that's, that makes sense. Diaz would be a great arm out of the bullpen. I know he had his troubles this year with the Mets too. He kind of he lost that job for for a bit, right? As their closer, I think it was. Yeah, they definitely had to pull him. I mean, his numbers are just not pretty this year. But the good news is, yeah. his strikeout totals were still fifth, over fifteen per nine. Uh, his fastball was still pumping. The control was a little off. He gave up a couple more hits, but it just sort of seemed like he had a bit of a bad luck streak. Sure. Sure. I mean, look, I, I, like I said, like I've been kind of preaching the whole podcast, I am all for getting more power and velocity into the, into the bullpen and rotation, and, and Diaz would definitely bring that. And he's also a guy that if, if you know, Kimbrell goes down again or Kimbrell's not living up to expectations, he's another guy on your staff that has closing experience that could step in and probably take over that role if need be. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for having guys like that on your, on your, in your bullpen, guys with velocity and guys that have closing experience. And if I get that and all I have to give up is Jose Quintana, I'm 100% in. So we've talked about the catching position, possibly some moves coming in the offseason, might be a new look with a new manager who was a former catcher. We talked about the pitching staff. Really love your take on we need to get more velocity, more nasty stuff onto the staff. 
maybe not necessarily getting younger, but maybe getting better stuff onto the team to kind of build around Hendricks and the bullpen. But now yes. let's move around. Let's concentrate on third base in the outfield. We'll do this as a precursor. A lot of talk right now in the winter meetings that Ahavi Baez might be talking extension right now. That's good news, I think, to all Cubs fans. But I think what we're really driving at is what do the Cubs do with Chris Bryant? His contract is up in two years. Word on the street is they've offered him a contract extension that he has turned down multiple times. He's a Scott Boris agent. Scott Boris is his agent. Arenado's getting 245. Rendon's going to get 275. Where does KB fit into this? Sean, let's just start with this. I mean, I think everyone would like to have a Chris Bryant on their team next year. What yes. is your, on a scale of one to 10, what is your optimism level that they could get a deal done? Like, are we going to have, are the Cubs fans going to have Christmas this year with a K? Are we going to, I, I, I would be absolutely stunned if we have a Christmas KB with a K this year. I mean, like, I think the Cubs will will have the talks. I think the Cubs will make a fair offer, but it's just hard to go against specifically his agent, Scott Boris, and that track record. You just, what, I think we saw Steven Strasburg a few years ago take an extension before free agency, and that's about it, right? Like he and he's already opted his, out too. Yeah, I mean, Boris takes his guys to the end and puts it out there because he wants to play teams against each other and get the top dollar. And we never think he's going to do it. And then all of a sudden a guy's getting 13 years for $330 million. Right. So I would be stunned if an extension actually does happen this off season. Again, I think the Cubs will absolutely try. And, you know, and I, and I do wonder, you know, is we, we've all kind of played it off and been like, nah, there's no bad blood, but it just kind of keeps coming back up the way that situation was handled in 2015 with KB being held down for those three weeks, even though the Cubs, they colored within the lines. They didn't do anything wrong. We all know what that was actually about. We all get it. So you do wonder if that's going to be something that Boris and even KB are going to be willing to let slide. So I think it's going to go to free agency. And if that being the case, I find it really, really hard to believe the Cubs are going to offer him the money that he and Boris are going to want. So I, I really don't believe KB is going to be a long-term Cub, which hurts a little bit to say which is why I, I – It think hurts it, a lot a bit to it say. It hurts to say, you know. <laughs> but that's why I think, man, that, you know, as much as it would really, really suck if – and I, I could see him being the Cub that does get moved. We've said, you know, Contreras or KB. To me, it's a coin toss, man. But I will say this. Like, the Cubs are going to have to be blown away to move him. You're not going to call up the Cubs and be like, hey, we'll give you an A-ball pitcher, a double-A pitcher – and our fourth out, you know what I mean? Yeah, your 20-year-old right-handed pitcher at Myrtle Beach, who's your number five, six prospect right now, who's three or four years away, in my opinion, is not going to cut it. And I don't know if that's like my cubby glasses coloring the situation. My question for you is, if Chris Bryant was a free agent right now, how much, what's the dollar amount? Let's skip the years because the years is always, is arbitrary, it seems like. What, what, What do you think he would make right now? Would he make more than Arenado? I wouldn't give him more than Arenado. That's me. You know, and we talked about too that you know what uh, what Arenado makes. And then I've seen recently some numbers, and I want people to think Rendon will make it. it. It's really weird that it fluctuates. Like I've seen some people say under three. I've seen some people say as little as two. Wow. You know, no way. You know what I mean? I I, I agree with that too. Like I think unless he resigned Rendon, with Washington, and he well, did this, the, they did a sweetheart yeah. deal. 
that that's a thing that I've heard recently too, is that he may actually be down for like a shorter term deal. Maybe he wants like three at a hundred to be able to opt out again and see what's going on in Washington, uh, which I could see that. Couldn't you write like in three years is Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin still going to be there and pitching at this level? No. Or are they going to be falling off a cliff at that point? I could see him one. I mean, he'll you'll, still be you'll have, prime, you'll have right? Soto. You'll have Soto in the lineup I'll still. Soto. And so that's about get, it because they were one of the oldest rosters in the major leagues last year. It was a really good move yeah. by them to win the World Series uh, with that yeah. roster that they had because there's definitely going to be some turnover there with them for coming sure. soon. So for, for me, I think the number on KB – I think I think 240 is a good number. I was going to say you? 260. 260 is way too much. 240 yeah. seems like the right number. And and it's funny and it and it's complicated, right? Because the guy won yeah. the MVP 3 seasons ago. I don't think anyone in their right mind would say that he's as good of a player today on paper as he was 3 years ago. Yeah. But he's still his OBP is always over 380, 390. I mean, that's going to age very well. The yeah. guy is still for my money, one of the greatest base runners at his height that I have ever sure. seen in my life. And if the Cubs were to lose that, I mean, I know that doesn't sound like much, but a guy scoring from second base means a lot when you're watching those Cubs games. And Chris yeah, yeah. is perhaps one of the best in the business at doing that. And there's a lot of things that you got to like that can project out long-term that I think obviously Scott Boris would be pitching to other teams of why he's worth, you know, $240 yeah, million. Course. I don't think he's ever going to turn into that 45 home run guy that we all thought, but I don't think he's going to be the Troy gloss that a lot of people were no, comparing yeah, him yeah. to Troy gloss when he came up from the minors. And yeah, I was like, uh, okay, he's a vast, <laughs> vastly better hitter than that. Right. Yeah. Of course. Reba rebounded with runners in second uh, runners in scoring position in the second half last year actually became a fantastic late, late inning uh, run producer for us last year too, as well something he we did, hadn't and, seen. And and that's been a big knock on Chris KB over his career, right? Is that seventh inning on clutch, his numbers were not very good, but that finally showed up a bit this year. So that was great. Let me ask you this about KB. So forget the numbers on the deal. We both kind of agree we're thinking around 240. But where would you put KB in terms of like in baseball, like top 10 player, top 15 player? Like he's not a top five player in baseball, right? Are no, he's he, top 10 though? He's definitely not. I mean, I would. So he's in an advantageous position right now. Well, I mean, third base is actually a very, very, very popular position. I would definitely put him in perhaps the top eight among third basemen. I mean, yeah. it's really easy to make the fantasy comparison. In fantasy baseball, KB is still in the top 20, perhaps top yeah. 25 in baseball. Um, when the guy is right and hot, he's, I think, among the best in the game. But he yeah. is streaky, right? I mean... Yeah. He'll go a couple of weeks without hitting a home run, and then once he pops one, next thing you know, you'll wake up and he's got five and six games. Yeah, you're like, whoa, you know, kind of where did that come from? The runs batted in has always kind of bothered me just a little bit. Um, not because, and I, I don't think it's as much a product of him being hitting second in the order so much as he just doesn't seem to come up with those those two out RBIs, those little those little yeah. scratch those little scratch dumb RBIs, those RBI groundouts and stuff that other guys that are prolific run producers seem to come up with as the years go on. So yeah, I would definitely, I would have him as a top 20 player. You know, I'd probably have him somewhere around there. Well, and you've heard me say about KB to you a million times, like if the Cubs kept him, you know, we've tried everyone from my mother to yours at the leadoff spot. Like if KB's not going to produce the RBIs from that two or three spot, 
doesn't he look like from what he can – his on-base percentage, his base running skills, isn't he kind of honestly the best leadoff hitter on the Cubs team from that standpoint? Yet they've they've not tried it once, right? Like they put Rizzo up there and they'll have the fun with that. They've never, ever put KB up there once. And I've just kind of wondered if he's – you know, let him – let him try from that spot. I'll take a 370, 380 on base with a guy that runs a base like that. He's going to ambush you for, a, for 30, 35 home runs from the leadoff spot and, you know, and still give me 70, 80 RBIs. I mean, Are you saying that he's the Alfonso Soriano 2.0 that we never got in our life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, 35 yeah, well, ambush maybe. home runs? Uh, yeah, well, I'd say. But I know I'm 4. joking. 4. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four <laughs> he, he doesn't. He doesn't chase that slider anywhere near as much as, as Alfonso. Soriano's but, like the Android six, and yes. uh, KB is more like the iPhone nine. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's a little bit more of a different difference there, right? I mean, the thing with KB is, and I I sort of resisted it for a couple years as a Cubs fan when he first came up, but. I really do think it is time for us to seriously consider transitioning him to the outfield full time. Yeah. And if you do that, all of a sudden, I think as a right fielder, I think he perhaps has more value than he probably does as a third baseman. Not that he's a bad third baseman, but let's be honest, like all these weird little nagging injuries from these shoulders to this bulky knee. I mean, all this stuff can't be playing third base. Can't be helping that. Right. It just can't. No. So no. him out in right field definitely kind of makes sense. I would be okay with, let's say you do go to opening day and KB still is on the, uh, is on the roster. Him playing third base doesn't make, still makes sense to me. You do have to go out and probably find another outfielder. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know I, I, it's weird with my heart. I really hope they don't trade, they don't trade him. Um, I can't imagine a scenario beyond what you said, like a KB for a Syndergaard a KB for another, you know, marquee player that would actually help me sleep good at night. Even, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, of course. Even well, like, even this. if you traded him to Toronto for a Beau Bichette. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, even then I will have a hard time wrapping my head around it because again, back to our conversation that we had at the beginning of the pod, if you're trading for younger players, that means you're moving your window down the road, right? Trading yeah. KB is like the White Sox trading Chris Sale. And you could say what you want about Moncada working out and Kopech, who eventually will work out. But guess what? By trading Chris Sale, you kick the can down the road at least three years, right? Because these yeah. guys got to yeah. develop and become the players that they are. And does that align with the players that you already have on your roster? Like a Rizzo, like a Baez, yeah. like a Lester, like a Hendricks. Trading KB for a Mancata type player signals to me that you have no interest in winning in three or four years, and you're just going to try and roll the dice in three or four years and see if you can yeah. turn the engine back on again. And as a Cubs fan, that terrifies me. Well, that, that yeah, that that is a reboot, not a retool, right? Like if they're going to pull that Yankee type rule, so I'll tell you though, man, it, if there's a team they're going to trade him to, and you've heard a bunch of teams out there that you know, I've heard the Dodgers all these teams that might need whatever the Mets the team to me and, and it would suck to trade them within the same league but the team to me man is is the Braves how much how much like young like major league talent from pitching standpoint to position players do they have right that they could potentially trade and still be I mean they're, they're in their championship window right now these next year too they need a third baseman and they could you, still you, trade the pieces that uh, that you had already yeah. mentioned. They could trade an Austin Riley and a Max Freed yeah. and probably somebody else for yes. a guy like KB. 
And that's to me, if, if KB is going to go, the number one thing you have to be getting back, for me anyways, is a, is a stud starting pitcher that is major league ready right now that you're controlling. If that's not in the package, I'm not even, I'm not even considering trading KB. You mean we don't need more young hitters, young controllable no. hitting? <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need any more of that nonsense in my life. I need stud starting pitchers that are major league ready. So the Braves for me would be probably a really, really big team to watch out for if that trade happened. And again, like we said, man, it's going to take a – I think it's – if KB gets traded, I would be stunned if me and you aren't talking again later going, wow, man, they got a lot for him. If, if we're underwhelmed, I'm going to be stunned by that. I'm going to be stunned that Theo and Jed would do any kind of trade that would even remotely be considered underwhelmed. No matter what happens – if KB does get traded, I need to go to the Guitar Center and I need to get one of those uh, waterproof covers for my microphone because my tears will be just your tears, we'll your KB tears. I, can't, <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever been electrocuted on a podcast before, but <laughs> I don't want to make a it first for everything. Exactly, first for everything. So let's wrap it up with this. We're going to keep it kind of short because a lot of it sure. sort of is what it is. But let's just talk about the outfield very briefly, sure. technically. Right now, there is a spot open in right field slash center field. I think at this point right now, my first blush is Jason Hayward is a center fielder based on his production and based on his, his, his level of defense. Yeah. If you're going to go and fill in any gaps, you're probably looking at right field. Um, I mean, let's just start there. I mean, Castellanos, we really enjoyed him. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I think you would like to have him back, but at a certain yes. price. What would you say your threshold is? Is it you know? Is it over eighty? No, thank you. Is it over a hundred? No, thank you. What's your threshold on bringing Casty back? Yeah, no, I, I think that, and I I ultimately think the Cubs won't get him because I think I think you know again a Boris guy, right? I think Boris is going to find him that four to five year deal. 80 the the market million, is fertile, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think you know. We keep hearing the, our, our friends on the south side, him being a, a possible mention there. My, my, my kind of threshold for that is maybe, okay, I'll give you your 20 mil, but I'm thinking three at 60, maybe with the vesting option for four, but that's kind of about my limit, right? Like he, he kind of ties you up, especially if you're kind of on the, on the cheap here this next year or two. You're dropping 20 million on him. That's it. That's your, that's your entire offseason based off everything we've heard. So I think three at 60 is around my – my threshold for now. How about yourself? I would probably go a touch higher, but yeah. probably anything over 80, I'd probably pause just based on the concept of there are other guys that I think are, you know, you have the Rizzo's and the biases on the yeah. team that I would probably would rather pay than a guy like Castellanos really enjoyed having him on the team though. Oh yeah. The dude yeah, can yeah. rake. He definitely seemed like he enjoyed being a cub. Um, he just kind of felt like that type of winning player, you know, when you're having that special yeah. magical season, that guy who's kind of like right in the mix. But again, I think the market is a little too flush. Typically when that happens, the chances of a guy re-signing are always really, really tough, especially the fact that he only played three months on the team. It's not like yeah. he was able to put down roots in Chicago. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he's I was not kinda, giving you the, he's not giving you the hometown discount after three months for sure. Yeah. So I was definitely kind of looking, looking around and, and like you said, on the cheap, despite the fact that the cable network that is going to be broadcasting the Cubs games, I believe, just got sold for what twenty six billion dollars. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, well, no, the the the, the, uh, the Ricketts like 
company, TD Ameritrade, just got sold for $26 million, So Right. That's yeah, right? Times are tough. So times, times are, tough. are tough. And so I was kind of looking at a player, and, you know, obviously they're trying to change. They're trying to do uh, a little bit more of a dynamic type lineup, a little bit of a different makeup up and down. I still like the chances of Zobris possibly coming back to play very, sure. very, 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 very part-time. The one sure. guy I kind of was looking at was a guy like Corey Dickerson. Um, Corey Dickerson's a guy who's been hurt kind of on and off, but if you check yeah. out his numbers, he's basically a 295 hitter. If you look a little bit deeper into his splits as well, hitting first or second in the lineup the past three seasons, he's hit at least 285, some seasons over 300. Again, a little bit similar to the Whit Merrifield conversation that we were having earlier where Corey Dickerson doesn't get on base a lot, but he makes contact. And yeah. he's, a guy, he's just a line drive hitter. And to me, he seems like a guy that can hit a curveball, which is something that certain players on the Cubs have trouble doing from time to time. And I That's think very he'd true. He'd be an interesting mix. And in theory, if they went into next season with a rotation of a Jason Hayward, a Kyle Schwarber, a Corey Dickerson, an Ian Happ, and an Albert Elmora, I wouldn't be – ultimately, I, w I wouldn't be crushed. I wouldn't be underwhelmed yeah. or upset. I actually think that that could be something that would be interesting. I do think Corey Dickerson's underrated, and I think it's a guy that you can get on the mega cheap. Yeah, you've been a big fan of his for a while. You brought the name up a little bit. Yeah, he, and he had a decent year because he went, what, to the – He ended up on the Phillies. Sorry, and, the Phillies, right? Yeah. yeah and, then, and then he finished the year – he finished the year on the IL. Um, I'm trying to think. It was like a wrist or a hand or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, but wherever the guy goes, the guy hits. Uh, typically, they put him at the top of the lineup. Not a ton of pop. We were talking maybe 10 or 15 home runs tops. But he's given you all those things that we don't have, all those things that yes. we were lacking last season. And we say it season and season and season every single year. I think it's time that we experiment with the concept of having a leadoff man. And it, might, it, might, it might not hurt us to try that. Just once. I mean, yes. just once in the last three or four years – Yes. Uh, we keep trying to figure out what ails us. Our offense is broken. Our offense is inconsistent. We hit for too much power. We don't hit uh, with runners in scoring position. We don't use the whole field. Blah, 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 on and on and on. And I, I was listening to this really interesting podcast the other day. And it was from the general manager, Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets. And all he said is that what he admires, he used to work in baseball, is what he admires about certain general managers is they go out, once they get players, they tell the players that they get to just do the things that they're good at and to completely scrap the stuff that you're not good at. And my thing is, have we been asking players like Kyle Schwerber to hit leadoff and to hit opposite field? And you know what I mean? Do all these different things that he might not necessarily be awesome at because of a deficiency yeah. on the roster. If we could fill that deficiency with someone who's actually good at the things that we want them to do, Maybe everyone can kind of be themselves just a little bit more, and maybe we can get a little bit more bang out of our buck. I mean, that, that, that seems like a reasonable, valid thing, right? You know, go on the field and play to your strengths. And if you do that, you're going you're gonna to achieve the things we hope as an organization and a fan base we want. Um, I'll give you a few names for me from the outfield, things that I've kind of read and heard and sound good. You put any, um, anything into the, the kid out of Japan, the, the, the uh, what's his name, Shogo? The center oh, fielder. The I don't know, buddy. Hitter, right? Center field, leadoff hitter. I, I, I'm with you. I'm very – 32 years old, coming up a foot injury, making a move. I'm very, very skeptical on that I mean, one. But I mean, buddy, if we paired him with a Rendon or a Cole and we did the whole, like, we're going yes. for it next year, 
and he was the Tadahito Aguchi on the 2005 White Sox. If, he, if yes. it was that kind of situation, I'd be all for it. Um, you know, I do have Fukudomi fatigue. I'm still, like, I'm still traumatized oh, yes. a little bit from that whole situation. From that 48 million flush down the drain, I hear you for sure on that yeah, one. I, I, re- I read that. I didn't know um, – I didn't know how to feel about it. I applaud Theo for thinking outside of the box. For as, sure. As they, uh, as they tend to do from time to time. But I don't know. What are the other ones you heard? Uh, well, another one. So what, I heard something recently that I read. I think it was out of, a, uh, out of uh, Denver. A Rockies reporter was saying the Rockies and Cubs have had talks. And Contreras, you know, the Rockies want to catch her. So Contreras was kind of in the talks there. But Charlie the, the reporters – Yeah, right. But the reporters said they kind of came away from that meeting with more of the impression that the Cubs would much rather trade Schwarber, Hap, and Almora first before they get into the Contreras's and the KB. So that's something to keep an eye. I mean, I have no idea. You might get a bag of balls for Almora. I mean, Hap's probably got a little, a little upside in Schwarber, of course. And then, you know, two other names. I Hap mean, could get you like a, a left-handed reliever. Reliever, yeah, right? Honestly, and that's probably it. A guy that I would love to have, I don't, you know, he's a little long on the tooth. But, man, I think he'd fit on this team perfect. But I think it would – I just don't think it's going to happen. It would be Brett Gardner of the Yankees. I think he's a free agent would be a great name. And here's one for you. His splits you, in the leadoff position are pretty pretty solid, too, as well. Yeah. Like he never dipped under 265, but he's got some years yeah. where he hit in the 270s, 280s from the top of the lineup. He'd be he'd – be, and he's a name you've heard mentioned in the, in the past with the Cubs, too. And then I got a name for you, speaking of Yankees, and this one would just be a complete – like, you know, minor league invite, complete flyer. Going back to Theo and Judge Red Sox days, would you take a flyer on a Jacoby Ellsbury and just see what if on a minor league invite? That's what it would be, right? Why I mean, not? He's, like thir- he's 36 now. I don't think the guy's played a game since, what, the 2017? He hasn't played in the last two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, this it does sound like a cargo redux situation to me. Sure. Um, but if you're but trying I'm to not be gonna, on the cheap, I'm, Yeah, right? I'm not going to laugh at it. I mean, if the guy can be – if the guy can be your fifth outfielder and you do trade a guy like Ian Happ or something like that, I'm on yeah. board with that. If you're trusting him to give you, you know, 25 to 30 at bats per week. You're in trouble. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, just like bully, two, but... two other like quick names I, I wrote down. One, just because I think it would be fun as a fan to watch him because he's an idiot. is Yasiel Puig, which never happened. And the other name I wrote is uh, from the Angels is uh, Cole Calhoun. Cole Calhoun is basically Kyle Schwarber. Um, is he basically Kyle Yeah, they are, they are they are basically exact same players. So if you were switching it out, you would literally be just bringing in an older version of Kyle Schwarber. Gotcha. Gotcha. One of the guys that I was kind of interested in. What if we revisited the David Peralta talks? Um, I don't remember who was on the table at the time. Outfielder on the Diamondbacks hit 30 home runs last year. This previous year was kind of injured, kind of banged up. Uh, left-handed stick pretty solid defensively so you could actually put him out there and not be upset about it um yeah. the question would be kind of where the diamondbacks heading and what could you possibly give up for him um, sure i heard albert almora is literally turning the corner in his career i, I think he's on the cusp he of is. greatness he uh, is. He wink, is. Wink. future all-star for sure but uh yeah i'm kind of curious to see and i guess what we're kind of driving at is it feels like one of these moves is going to turn into a domino that just yeah. kind of, you know, the rest of it all begins to kind of unfurl and perhaps pretty quickly. Like I could see a scenario where one of these big trades goes down 
And within 72 hours, they make two or three different little signings. And next thing you know, you got almost like a whole, you know, a 10% yeah. team. And, and, and I think, I think if you look at it, you know, objectively, the outfield was the weakest part of the Cubs as a whole last year, as far as position players go by far. So let, let's say this real quick. Let's say right now that we know of, we'll leave Zobers out because he's unknown. The outfield core right now, Jay Hay, Schwarber, Hap, Almora. And blank. No, nope, that's it. It'll be somebody. So let's say, let's say out of those four. Or you put KB in there as a rotational piece, whatever KB you want to KB do. It. But let's say those four guys. How many of those four guys do you think are gone from next year's Cubs team? Um, you know, I'll maybe, know. I'll maybe throw out there one, but honestly, I don't I, – I think it could be zero just based on the concept of oh. I don't know what you get for those guys. Almora, I think, is basically untradeable. Um, Ian Happ, I think you get some pushback on trading him because his value isn't the way that they, that they probably see his value, a.k.a. Sure. they probably won't budge because they either want to rehab what they think that he's worth or they're just they're already crestfallen that his value is sure. falling so far. Trading Schwarber now is kind of is, is interesting. I'm just sort of kind of curious what they think that his market will be to get back from him. And yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the Schwarber train. I think his best years are still ahead of him personally. Yeah, I really thought he figured it out in the second half, as we mentioned before. And do we think? Do we think defensively though? I mean, if if you have an outfield of of Schwarber and left, Jay Hay, let's say Jay Hay's in center, and fill in the blank and right. I mean, I swear every time John Lester stepped on the mound, Kyle Schwarber dropped the ball. Like I yeah. thought he was going to go out there and throw punch the guy eventually. Just the frustration, right? So I, that, that's, that's my only fear with that, you know, does his offensive side out far enough outweigh what he will do defensively going forward based on Hayward being less of a defender in center field. And then if we move KB out to right field or fill in the blank, you know what I mean? Does it, does it, does it. Well, and that, I think they, they'll probably have to pick their poison, right? I don't think you could, yeah. I don't think you could do a complete overhaul and typically what you decide on is you either fortify your up the middle game, which I yeah. think was lacking at times last season because Baez eventually got hurt. We never really knew what was going on at second base and Contreras yeah. kind of took a step back defensively as a catcher. So yeah. let's say you do move the Contreras and you do beef up with a defensive guy behind the plate. You make some moves at second base. You kind of fortify that up the middle. Maybe fixing the outfield isn't as pressing all of a sudden. You know, I, sure. I think you're going to have to kind of pick one way or the other. Of course, of course. Um, man, I think that's going to do it. We're going to cut it right here. That was, a, that was an awesome – we just did an awesome off-season deep dive, and here's the good news. I think we're going to come back, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about guys that are on the roster and probably, maybe, hopefully, or not hopefully, some guys that are going to be added to the roster in the next, <laughs> week so, next couple of weeks. Um, Sean, thank you so much for joining me, man. Do me a favor, and um, uh, please – plug your film very quickly let us know how we can find it on social media for the good people that are listening yeah man well first off let me just say thank you so much for having me and i i had a blast doing this and i definitely look forward to our uh, our future podcast talking some cubbies baseball my pleasure joey is the best everyone keep listening to this awesome podcast yeah man my film is uh 1214 you can check it out on facebook we have 1214 the page or you can find it on instagram as well at 1214 movie 
And uh, it's just out there in a bunch of festivals, still waiting to hear back on a few more, trying to write some more, and we're going from there, man. So I appreciate you letting me talk about it for a moment. That's great, brother. I'm proud of you, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, we're going to get back to some more Cubs stuff. I think Sean's going to be my, my Cubs consigliere throughout the winter. Either, hey. either the shoulder to cry on or the hand to high five. <laughs> I got you, buddy. I yeah, got yeah. you, buddy. I'm here for you. Cool. <laughs> That's going to do it for Betting Chicago on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out. My name is Joy Christopoulos. You can follow us on Instagram at Believe Podcast Network. And this is Betting Chicago. Thanks you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.